Well, it is, uh, this is a fun message to be speaking to you today. Uh, the last message of 2014, and I was sitting down to prepare this message in the last couple of days, and I was thinking, wow, what a crazy year we've had in the last 12 months. And when I say crazy, I mean good crazy, you know, like cray-cray crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's right, I just said cray-cray, you heard it. You can tweet that. Uh, we had a crazy year, it was good stuff. We grew from 500 to 1,000 people, we doubled our number of life groups, we had more people go on global teams than ever before, we gave more money to kingdom builders, uh, over 150% more than what we had in previous years, we supported more missionaries than we'd ever done, uh, we just had an incredible year. Uh, I look back on my own life, personally, and I thought, wow, what happened to my 2014? Uh, I watched you grow. I, I, see, I get a front row seat watching God work at your life. And, uh, and, and so many of you, and I love watching that. As a pastor, that's what motivates me, is seeing you not just have Jesus be the center of your life, uh, but for him to be Lord of your life and then doing what you've been called to do. That's exciting for me. Me personally, uh, I got to lead my first global team, uh, our missions trip uh, with River Valley to Russia. Many of you who are here regularly, you hear me talk about it all the time, uh, to serve the orphans in Zelenogradsk in, in Russia. It changed me forever. It was a life-changing, pivotal moment for me. Uh, I got to baptise my 11-year-old daughter, Emma. That was a pretty awesome moment. It was a very emotional, incredibly awesome moment. I got to see my uh, previous assistant, uh, Jane, who was in her late 40s, diagnosed with stage 4 malignant melanoma uh, in October this year. And then on Christmas Eve, I got to see her sitting in church, cancer-free. That's a miracle, people. That's a miracle. And as I thought about the fact that miracles happen, and I've seen them in my life and you've seen them in your life, I was reminded of a story in the Bible where Joshua was leading the children of Israel and they had the Ark of the Covenant and they were trying to move on to where they were going to eventually build a temple where the Ark would be housed. And there's about 40,000 of them and they were coming to cross the Jordan River. And God said to Joshua... All you need to do is make sure that the priests who are holding the ark just put their foot in the water. And as soon as they do that, I'm going to part the waters. And then the 40,000 people will be able to go around and it'll be an incredible thing that I'm going to do. And everything's going to be fine. And so sure enough, the priests go down, they put their feet in the water and the waters part. And the story tells us that all the people went around the ark, around the priests and to the other side. And God said to Joshua, I want you to get... One person from every tribe, as they're, as they're in, when they're in the middle of the, the Jordan, to pick up a, a stone and then bring it back to the shore. And then what we're going to do is we're going to put it down on the shore and we're going to create a memorial so that you will never forget and your people will never forget that I'm a God of miracles and that you'll be able to tell future generations when they see the stones, you'll be able to tell them why they're there. And it reminded me that we, can, we can't go through a year or any period of time and not look back at what God has done in our lives. We don't get that option. God wants us to always remember the miracles that he's done in our lives. Because we, I don't know if, you, if you're like me, but we, we, we don't have good memories when it comes to you know, God doing miracles. So we, we love the miracles in the middle of the miracle. And then three months later, when life isn't quite so dandy, anymore. We're all of a sudden, God, where are you? Can't believe you're not here. And we forget all about the miracle. 
That's why we need stones. And so my encouragement to you today is just as God created a scenario back then for us to be good stewards of the stories of life. Uh, I can just imagine some of the stories and conversations that the older generation would have had with the kids many years later when they're walking through and they see the stones and they're like, Dad, what's the deal with the rocks? (laughs) They're not rocks, son, they're stones. I was pretty buff in my day. I used to be able to lift up a pretty big stone right about here. Okay, Dad, so what about the stones? Tell me about the stones. And then they're sitting down and they're like, hey, you know what happened? And then the waters parted. And then we went around. Really, Dad, is that really what? Well, do you see any other stones? I don't see any other stones. They came from the river. It would have been an incredible moment for those kids to have had with their parents. See, I firmly believe that we are called to be stewards of many things in life. And one of the things we're called to be stewards of are the stories that God gives us. Because God gives us incredible stories, and if we share them, what I've found in my experience is that he will give us more if we are stewards of them. What stories has God given you in the past 12 months? What has he done in your life in the last 12 months? I think it's very appropriate before we enter 2015, this week, it's it's important for us and appropriate to look back and say, what did God do in my life in this past year? As I was preparing this message this week, I came across a message that one of the greatest evangelists of the 19th century, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, he preached on December 29, 1895, and you can read his notes. And man, I tell you what, I would have loved to have been there. It would have been a pretty incredible time. But as I was reading his notes, I noticed that the same things that I was going to bring as a challenge to you today were the same things that he brought as a challenge 120 years ago. And I thought, you know what, sometimes there really is nothing new under the sun. Sometimes there really is things that, that we just need to learn the principles of them and apply them in our lives. And so we are about to enter the year of 2015 because of the grace of Jesus Christ in our lives. Amen. So today is a great day to not necessarily allow me to speak to you, but for you to speak to yourselves, for you to have a conversation with your own heart, with your own spirit. The Bible says in Luke chapter 16, verse 2, So he called him and he said to him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be steward. Very simple little verse here about stewardship. See, we have a responsibility, the Bible tells us, to give an account of stewardship. Not just to be good stewards, but to actually give an account of it. Are we being good stewards? See, we're called to be stewards of the stories of life. But what else should we look back on 2014 and examine our stewardship? What should we look back on? I think we should have a look at our time. Were we good stewards of our time in the last year? What do we do spend, what do we spend our time on? Um, you know, I, I think day, life can get just so busy where we're like, I've just got no time. Just so busy. Everything's so busy. I don't think we always necessarily spend our time the best way we should. I mean, have a look at yesterday. Let's not look 100 days ago. What about yesterday? What did you do with your yesterday? What did you spend your time on yesterday? Was, was, it, was it a good day? Did you spend it wisely? Uh, did you think about what you were doing with your time? See, I think if we thought of time, the hours of the day, think of this. If we thought of the hours of the day like precious diamonds, 
that once were gone could never be gotten back, we would treat each hour differently in our life. If we treated each hour as a gem that was precious and given to us, lent to us by our Heavenly Father. Have we spent our time doing things that really don't add any benefit to our life? Now, it's good to relax. The Bible tells us we need to rest. Rest and relaxation is a good thing, but do we spend too much time resting and relaxing in front of a box that has really bad programs on it? Do we spend a little bit too much time doing those things? It's good to spend time with people who aren't Christians, people who don't know Jesus. Go and be salt and light in their world. We are called to do that. But do we spend a little bit too much time back in the party scene? Do we spend a little bit too much time? Have we got the balance out of kilter? Where are we spending our time? When we spend time with people and we're having conversations with them, do we spend our time with them being positive or do we spend our time being negative? Do, you know, I mean, you see that at Christmas time. You know, people, you know, families get together at Christmas, they haven't seen each other all year. And it's usually a time where, I don't know what your family's like, maybe you have the perfect family, but in our family, it was always a little tense on Christmas Day, you know, because we never knew what Auntie Shirley was going to say. <laughs> you know, she, she's had a mouth that just shot first and then thought later, you know. And so you'd walk in there. I remember one Christmas Day walking in to, to her house, and there was nobody there. Nobody. And, and we had a big family, and so I said to Auntie Shirley, I said, where, where is everybody? Like, including my own father. I'm like, where, where's my dad? Well, he went home. We had an argument. Oh, okay, well, what, what happened? Well, I told him he was stupid. Well, I can see how that was going to play out really well for you uh, with all the love of Jesus on Christmas Day and all, you know? And, uh, and it, was, it was the loneliest, loneliest Christmas I've ever had. It was just me and my auntie sitting at a, at a, at a dinner table. Uh, not a lot of fun. Could have been a lot different had she just kept her mouth closed. <laughs> See, sometimes we have to think about what do we do with the time we spend with people. Are we encouraging people? What are we doing with our vacation time? Have a look at your stewardship of your vacation time. We need to have vacation time. You need to have rest time. But what are you doing with it? Do you, do you keep it all for yourself? Or do you give some of it to God? We, have, we send mission trips around the world all the time, global teams, all around. The, it's going to take your vacation time, you using it, to go and serve somebody around the world. It just will. It's a sacrifice. It's you using a part of your time where you go, well, I don't, well it's not mine. I don't own it. God owns my time. We had our uh, sign-ups last week for our global team to Russia. Uh, I led one this year, I'm leading another one next year, and we had the global team sign-ups last, uh, last Sunday. The team, 30 people, filled up in about an hour and a half, uh, which is fantastic. But, you know, I heard some people, uh, you know, it's people talking in the lobby, and they don't know that I'm listening. <laughs> They're having conversation, and I just kind of walk up. If you ever see me and I'm about three feet away, I'm listening. <laughs> just letting you know. I'm a, I'm a sneaky pastor. I'm just, I'm just being honest. I'm transparent, but I'm sneaky. <laughs> Don't tweet that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and I heard people say things like, yeah, I don't have a lot of vacation time, and I'm not sure I want to like, spend my vacation time going to Russia. You know, uh, I just, I just, yeah, Russia just doesn't do anything for me. Just don't, don't really, never felt anything for Russia. Oh, man, I just wanted to slap them. Like in Jesus' name, you know. 
And, because you know what? The Bible says go into all the world and preach the gospel. It doesn't say get a map out and choose the places that tickle your fancy and say, oh, I'd love to share the eternal love of Jesus in Hawaii. No, you have to share the eternal love of Jesus wherever he calls you to go. When I went to Russia the first time, it wasn't like I was on my bucket list of places to go. Now I have a heart for that country that's burning in me that I can't put out. See, you don't have to have that first. You just got to be obedient. You got to say, hey, God, I'll go where you call me to go. But it's going to involve sacrifice. There's not one person that came on that team last year that sacrificed their time that didn't have their lives absolutely changed. Not one. Okay, that's my rant over. <laughs> See, uh, let's talk about time. Our lead pastor, Pastor Rob, had a heart attack a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he's doing very well. He is he's recovering well. He, uh, he's doing so well that the doctors have ordered that he should wear some chains so that he could be chained down to his house because <laughs> he just wants to get out and do things. But he is really doing well. And we should thank God. Keep praying for him, but let's thank God for what he's doing in his life. But Pastor Rob sent all of us campus pastors a little short text message a few days after his heart attack. And he said, I've been reminded of James 4.14, which says this. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. When you realize that life can come and go like a vapor, you'll be a steward of your time differently. When we realize that time is lent to us by God, it's not a right. We live in a country that wants everything to be a right. It's my civil right. You do not have a civil right to breathe and live. You have it because God gave it to you. The only thing we are guaranteed of is an eternity with Jesus in heaven. That's what we're guaranteed of. The days on this earth, no guarantee. So what do we do? We make the most of the time that we have. I think another thing that we need to look back on is, have I been a steward of the talents that God has given us? See, we all have talents. And we have to remember that our talents do not belong to us. They belong to God. Uh, there's not one person in this room that doesn't have some form of talent. It could either be something you were born with or it could be something you educated yourself. And now you have a body of knowledge that other people don't have. That's a talent that you now have. It sets you apart from other people. Some people only use their talents for their job. Only. They only let God use their talents to make money. But how many of us could use our talents for the kingdom of God? As well as for our jobs. See, I think sometimes people go, oh, I don't know. Pastor, I just don't have any special gifts. I'm not like you. I can't speak in front of people and... You know, and I, don't, I really can't do a lot of good things. I wasn't that good in school. And, and uh, you know, I just, I just, I'm just really not good. I'm not good at sport. I'm not good at a lot of things. And basically talk themselves out of having any impact whatsoever in life. Can I just tell you very nicely, stop it. Stop doing that. Stop telling God that he somehow shortchanged you on the talent list. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, what do you think he's going to do all of a sudden? Like, listen to you complain and go, oh, that's right. Man, it was like, it was a strike day with the angels when you were born. Man, man, you were supposed to get so many more talents than that. Wow. And you were meant to be taller too. Uh, 
Seriously, like God created you. He created you. He knows how he created you. He's given you what you need. So just use it. Stop looking at whether you think it's any good or not and just say, God, all that I have is yours. All my talents, they're yours. Even though I don't have much, it's yours. What's another area we can look back on our lives and say, have I been a good steward? Our stuff, our money, our possessions. There's a large difference between everybody in this room, between the person who has the most and the person who has the least. But it doesn't matter whether you've got a lot or a little, we're called to be stewards of it. Uh, Some people have given a lot of money to kingdom builders, but it actually didn't really cost you a lot. Some people just gave a little bit to kingdom builders and it was a massive sacrifice. What was your stewardship? There are some people that could sponsor 100 children a month through Mission of Mercy at $30 a month. There are some people who just to sponsor one child is a stretch, just to change one child's life. See, the message of Jesus needs to be spread. And we need to be stewards of what we have in order for it to be spread. Regardless of how little you have, how much you have. We are called to give an account of our stewardship. It's good at this time of year to look back on it and go, okay, have I been a steward with my stuff? Have I been a steward with my possessions, with my money? Have I been a steward of it? What's another area that we can look back on? Our influence. Have you been a steward of the influence that you have? Now, some people think, wow, uh, I don't have a lot of influence. I'm uh, I'm a stay-at-home mum. I don't work outside the home. And uh, so I really don't have a lot of influence. Wrong. I think our stay-at-home mums have some of the greatest influence of anybody in this church. Who knows who you're raising? Who knows whether you're raising the next Billy Graham? Because we need one. Who knows whether you're raising somebody that's going to have an incredible impact for the world? See, We have an opportunity to be stewards of influence. And sometimes we think of influence being on the world stage, whereas influence is just the people who were around us. Where has God put us? Fathers, dads, are you you a steward of the influence you have over your sons and your daughters? Because we are called to, as fathers, be stewards of our sons and our daughters. See, it's not okay just to send your kids to the best schools. Give them the best education. Have them enrolled on the best sports team. Have the best sports equipment. That, that, that's not stewardship of your children. What that is is delegating influence to coaches and teachers. We're not, we're not called to delegate influence. We're called to have influence as parents on our children and to exercise it the best way that we possibly can. I think the best influence that any father can have is over his own household. I think if we could exercise influence over our own households, man, we could just have an incredible impact on this world. Those of you with families, think about the influence that you can have through your families. Those that don't have families, maybe you're single and you don't have, any, you don't have a wife or a husband, you don't have kids. Have you used the influence that you have over your coworkers, your neighbours, your friends, your other relatives, Have you used that influence for Jesus or just for you? The influence that you have in your workplace, when when you get in front of your boss and he says, wow, you're just knocking it out of the park. 
Like your figures are incredible. This is amazing what you're doing. Do you, do you sit there in that moment of potential influence and say, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> pretty awesome. But you know, humble, humble. <laughs> do you do that or do you say, you know what? Hey, God has just blessed me and I just, all I do is I just try to work the best I can, the smartest I can, but it's to God. I got to give all the glory to God. Do you use your opportunity to influence for the right things? Or do you just use it so you can get a pay rise? See, we have opportunities to exercise influence in our lives. You know one of the other reasons you need to give an account of, of the stewardship of influence? Because you won't always have it. This verse in Luke says, 16.2 says, uh, give an account of your stewardship because there will come a time when you are not a steward. See, sometimes we are in seasons of life where we have great influence and it won't last forever. And you don't want to look back on your life and be like, man, I wasted that. I wasted that opportunity when I had that influence and I didn't do anything with it. Why, why beat yourself up? Don't do that. Take the moment of influence that you have and allow it to be used for God. What's another area that we need to give an account of stewardship? What we've heard, what we've been taught. You hear messages here every single week. Every week you hear messages. So 52 weeks a year you get messages. Some of them great, some of them okay. <laughs> Hopefully you love all of them. But can I tell you, are you a steward of them? Have you taken them? Do you take notes? Do you, do, do you just let the messages tickle you on a Sunday and you forget it by, by Monday? Or do you allow it to have an influence in your life? Are you a steward of what you hear? I, I've always been, my whole life, I've been a note taker. When I was in school, I would sit in the front row, I would take notes. When I was in university, I would take notes. When I was... When I, Studied for my CPA, which I did for many, many years. Uh, uh, I, I, sat, I always sat at the front and I took lots of notes. When somebody was talking to me, I'd take notes. When I'm in a staff meeting, I take notes. All the time, I'm taking notes. Th let me tell you something really interesting. I'm going to throw my, campus, my fellow campus pastors under the bus a little bit here. But that's okay, I have an elder in the house, so he'll cover me. Uh, <laughs> a week before Pastor Rob's heart attack, we were in a campus pastor meeting. And Pastor Rob was sharing about what he was going to share at Christmas, on Christmas Eve. And uh, sure enough, there I am on my iPad, because it's what I'd taken my notes on through the, an app called Evernote. And, and he's telling me about what he's going to preach on on Christmas Eve. And I'm like, typing out like crazy. And all the other guys are laughing at me, because I'm like, they're like, wow, look at him, he's burning up his iPad today. Well, who do you think they all called when Pastor Rob had a heart attack? And, and they said... So do you remember what he said we were going to preach on for Christmas Eve? Because <laughs> we saw you taking the notes. Right. I said, yeah, well, I'm going to have a great message. <laughs> See, are you a steward? Are you a steward of things? Don't tell me you're a bad note taker. You'll become a good note taker if you start taking notes. Don't just talk yourself out of it. See, I've got, I, as I've gone through a lot of these things today, some of you, you know, you, you, you're thinking, oh man, have I been a good steward of everything that I've done and everything that I've had in the last 12 months? And, and there can be a time where we start to feel a little heavy on a day like today. Because we're, we're going, I'm going through the list and you're like, oh man, didn't do that one. I did that one, but I didn't do that one. Man, I'm like one out of five. 
What would you rather? Would you rather know before you go into 2015? Or would you rather be like the ostrich sticking your head in the sand going, oh, it's all good. It's all good. I'm just heading into 2015 exactly the same way and believing for a different result. When you go to a doctor, do you want, let's say you go to the doctor and you're sick, like really sick and you've got like, you know, you've, you're concerned you might have pneumonia or something and you go to a doctor. Do you want a doctor who's going to look at you and say, yeah, actually, you've got, you're pretty sick. Here's some antibiotics. You need to rest. Uh, you're going to have to just make some changes to, to your diet and uh, yeah, this, we can get through this, but you're not doing too well. And do you want that or do you want to walk into a doctor when you're about to die and have him say, you're a champion. You're looking awesome. Don't worry about it. It's all going to be fine. You don't need to do anything. Don't change anything. You're all good. You could probably die. But it doesn't matter. What do you want? Do you want like the reality? See, God gives us an opportunity on a day like today to have a bit of reality check and go, okay, so where am I at? See, we need to give an honest account. That's what the Bible says. But you know what happens when you give an honest account? This is guaranteed. This is what happens. You will end up loving Jesus more. That's what will end up happening when you give an honest account. You know, Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, I never look into my own heart without first feeling incredible shame and then afterwards feeling greater love to him who has eternally loved such a sinner as I am. Amen. See, when we look back and we think, man, I haven't done this and I haven't done that. And, oh man, I wish I, but yet Jesus still loves me. Wow, I can't believe he loves me. And I, like, I haven't even done all the things I was meant to do. Yeah, that's right. That's what the grace and love and mercy of Jesus is. He wants to give you gifts even when you don't deserve it. We, we, I, I do that for my own son. My own daughter, I want to give them gifts because they're my children, not because they deserve it. My son, according to his behavior on Christmas Eve this year, deserved nothing. <laughs> he was a pill, a pain, a very naughty little boy. He had not been naughty or nice, he'd just been naughty. But you know what, Christmas morning, I wanted him to open those gifts I wanted to see his little face beaming as he opened up and he saw all these incredible things that were blessed into his life. Why? Not because he deserved it, because he's my son and I love him. I'm going to keep giving my son gifts because I love him, not because he's earned it. And it's the same for us. Our Heavenly Father wants to give us gifts, not because we've earned them, but because he loves us. So don't, don't look at what... When you're giving an account of your 2014, don't get heavy about it. Be light about it and say, wow, Jesus loves me anyway. And he's going to give me even more. This is the last message that I'm going to preach to you in 2014. I will never get another opportunity to preach to you in 2014. This is it. And I pray that you would take an account of the stewardship of your last 12 months of life. And I pray that two things would come out of it as you take an account of it. One, I pray that you would appreciate the Father's love for you even more. That you would realise that God loves you, that the sacrifice of Jesus coming as a baby that we just celebrated a few days ago is just a continual, incredible blessing in our lives.
And secondly, I pray that you would use it positively to use the opportunity to enter a new year that lies ahead. Because I really do genuinely believe that the best is yet to come for all of you. You know, as I was, I was preparing this message yesterday, I was in my office and uh, oh, it, was, it was a tough time, I've got to be honest with you, because I was, I was typing out my notes. I got like, I don't know, a few lines into it and I just had a block, just a mental block, nothing, just stopped. I was in my office and I prayed and I said, God, whatever it is that stopped me, I want you to help me break through it so that I can, so I can move on and get this message. And he said, I want you to stop and I want you to pray for everybody. I want you to pray for their 2015. And so I did something that I do a lot, which is I bring up our database of all the people who attend this campus. There's nearly 1,500 people who call this campus home. We average our attendance is around 900 a weekend at this campus. And so I brought up the list of names and I went through and I just started praying for every single person. And then every now and then God would put somebody on my heart So I want you to pray for that person specifically. And I would pray for them. Even the names I didn't know. And I, so, so when I say I believe that 2015 for you really is gonna be the best, I really believe it. Because I've prayed for you. And I want it to be incredible. But I can't give you a pass and God can't give you a pass on stewardship. We don't, we don't get the opportunity to just go, well, I'm just gonna pretend like 2014 never happened. What we need to do is say, okay, this is what I'm given an account of. And this is my opportunity to change for 2015. This is my opportunity to do something different. This is my opportunity to allow Jesus to really be the centre of my life. As you close your eyes across this place, I want to read to you one final quote from Charles Haddon Spurgeon that he finished his message with 120 years ago. He said this, he said, rest in Christ more confidently. Love God more earnestly. Serve your generation more intensely. Live while you live. Play not at living, but live in real earnest. And let it never be said of you that you trod so lightly on the sands of time that you left no footprints there. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that you love us so much. Thank you that even though we are not deserving of your love, it flows over and into our lives continuously. Thank you that you continually do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask and think. And I pray today, God, that we would not feel heavy about what we may not have done, but rather we would feel light as we enter a new year with new opportunities. I pray, Lord, that we would always remember the wonderful things that you've done in our lives over the past 12 months, the miracles. Lord, I pray that you would help us to set up stones of memorial so that we could remember what you've done in our lives. I pray, Lord, that we would take the opportunity to share with our children the miracles that you've done, to pass on to the generations 
the goodness of your love in our lives. And I pray, Lord, that every single person here would desire for next year to be their best yet. In Jesus' name, amen.